this message because this Mother's Day. Amen. Powerful women of the Bible. Woohoo! Powerful women of the Bible. And I just want to take a couple of snapshots of, of some of them because as I was going through this, it was like, whoa. Anyways, but we need to start with uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Okay, so I'll tell you right now, the acoustics in this place are very, very good. And I can hear when you don't scream at me. Just saying. Hebrews 11.1, 1, please. There you go. See, because the windows are open. And, and so we want people, our, we want our neighbors to hear our woo. Because <laughs> they're going to want to know what's going on here. What's going on up in this church up in here? Amen. <laughs> so Hebrews 11, one, uh, verses 1 to 3, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are not seen. For by it, or by faith, the elders obtained a good report. And through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, or a word of God, so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. <coughs> Amen. So, um, as I was going through this, because I, I wanted to say, because without faith, you can't do nothing anyways. And without faith, there's no powerful woman in the Bible. There's none without it. But because there's faith, and the ladies are full of faith, Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 12, King James. It says, who can find a virtuous woman? Well, look around. We got a room full of them. Y'all need to just give yourselves a little hug, ladies. Just hug yourself. Uh, just hug yourself. If your man's there, hug, get him to hug you. But, you know, <laughs> men are very demonstrative, aren't they? <laughs> hug me! <laughs> Would you just... Hug me. <laughs> Slap a lot. Anyway, so it says, who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies, and the heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he has no need of spoil. She will, this is good. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Why? Verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing. Strength and honor your clothing, and you shall rejoice in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is a law of kindness. Just bragging on y'all. Verse 29, many daughters have done virtuously, but you, 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 uh, I'm saying you excel over them all. Uh-huh. Favor is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman that fears the Lord shall be praised. I'm speaking to you ladies today. Yeah, it's Mother's Day. We should just call it Ladies' Day, right? Yeah. Amen. So we're going to hit the first one. Uh, Miriam, she, I found this out. I, I guess I'm like, this is kind of cool because you're going to learn some things today. She was the first female prophetess in the history of Christianity. Miriam. And it says that her bravery shaped the course of history. She was instrumental in saving her brother Moses' life, Right? So in Exodus 2, I'm, I'm going to be reading a lot of the New Living, for those of you that are watching this with your, um, on TV and through your phones and stuff. Uh, about this time, verse 1, Exodus 2, verse 1, New Living. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. And when she could not no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds, and she waterproofed it with tar and pitch. 
put the baby in the basket, laid it among the reeds along the river of the Nile. And the baby's sister, this is Miriam, then stood at at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Verse 5, soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the river bank. And the princess saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to go get it. Verse 6, when the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying. She felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she says. Then the baby sister, Miriam, approached the princess. Come on, that took some faith and nerve. And she approached the princess, and and, uh, she said, should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? What a setup. What a setup. She asked, and and verse 8, yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl, Miriam, went and called the baby's mother. That's how she set that up. It took a woman, just saying, man, don't choke me down. When I'm preaching good, and you know I am. Better. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Now, we're going to jump up to Exodus 15, verse 20 to 21, New Living. It says, then Miriam the prophetess. See, she she became a prophetess. Oh, yeah. Aaron's sister took a tambourine and led all the women. She, so she became not only a prophetess, but she became a leader and led all the women. And they played their tambourines and danced. And Miriam sang this song, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has hurled both horse and rider into the sea. Come on. That's Miriam. Prophetess. The first. Number two. I just got a couple because the Bible's full of a bunch of them. Number two, Deborah. I like her. She was, a, she, is a, she was the prophetess and the only female judge in the history of Christianity. I like that. So does she, Come on now. She got a word. Hey. She could be the second female prophetess. She'd prophesy. In Judges chapter 4. Uh, verse 4, New Living Still. It says, Deborah, the wife of uh, Lapidoth, was a prophetess, a good name, and uh, she had to prophesy that one, uh, who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. Verse 6, one day she sent for Barak, the son of whatever, who lived in Kedesh in the land of Naphtali. And she said unto him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. She's telling him, okay, you know what? God is commanding you to do something here. Out of ten, call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun and, and uh, at Mount Tabor. And I'll call out Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots and warriors, to the Kishon River. There I'll give you victory over him. And Barak told her, I will go, but if you, only if you go with me. Right. Yeah, 36 feet of intestinal fortitude, no guts, right? Yeah, anyways, praise the Lord. And very well, she, in verse 9, very well she replied, I'll go with you, but you receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. They put it in the Bible, at the hands of a woman. How many victories do you know that have been made and led at the hands of a woman? Almost all of them, I would say, perhaps. Come on. My coming back to the Lord was at the hands of a woman. Actually, two. 
<laughs> my wife and my mother. And if you got those two praying for you, you might as well give up if you're trying to fight the feeling. <laughs> Your saddle will be handsome. Um, verse 14, Judges chapter 4. Then Deborah said to Barak, get ready. For this day, this is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. And for the Lord is marching ahead of you. Could you imagine? The Lord is marching ahead of you, clearing the path. You know, we've been looking for a place ever since we moved into 946 Main Street. Four years, it took us four years, and four years there was a drought. There was nothing. And even still, there's nothing. So what are you going to do? Here we are. Oop, there it is. Right? So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. Verse 50, when Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. I love that. God's going to fight your battles. Right? All of them. Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots, the enemy uh, army, all the way to whew, far, killing all of Sisera's warriors. <laughs> Come on, anybody else say that word? Come on. I, I double dog dare you. Come on. It's hyphenated. Shout it out if you got it. I don't. I might have to hit it with tongues. <laughs> but I knew. But it killed all of, all of his, Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. Verse 17. Meanwhile, Sisera ran into the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite. And because Heber's family, or Heber, was on friendly terms with King Jaber, Jabin of Hazor, verse 18, J Jael went to meet Sisera and said to him, come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. He went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. And verse 19, please give me some water. He said, I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag and covered him again. And he, he says, in verse 20, stand at the door of the tent, he told her. If anyone comes and asks you if there's anyone here, say no. <laughs> right? Honey, you just answer the phone and tell them I'm not going today. You make the call. Just saying. 21. But when Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, Jael crept, quietly crept up to him with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand. She drove the tent peg through his temple into the ground, so he died. <laughs> Showed him how to get ahead in life. Bam! Don't you go to sleep with a mad woman. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Come on, why does the Bible say don't let the sun go down on your wrath? You might have a splitting headache. I'll tell you that. <laughs> he said, I want a piece of your mind. <laughs> yeah, great day. All right, so. <laughs> How do you sign that? <laughs> That's like when I, the last time I was over in Ukraine, and uh, and and there's a there's a lady, uh, Pastor Gregory's daughter. She was translating for me, and we're talking about the sheep of his pasture. And I said, "Yeah, you know, we're we're like sheep." Ah, say that. She looked at me and said, "No." <laughs> Just, just a flat no. <laughs> yeah, then she she went da da da, da da da. That's that's a hard no. I ain't gonna do it. So Deborah broke all barriers against women, right? 
Women have been regarded as holding secondary status, but it takes an extraordinary willpower, strength, and favor, God's favor, to, to defy those ads. Uh, uh, ads, odds. Yeah, ad. What ad? Okay, number three, Queen Esther. She's a good one. Israeli liberator, they called her, and she used her powerful position for good when her people were on the verge of being annihilated, and Esther selfishly risked her life to save him. All of her people. Esther chapter 2, verse 21, New Living. It says, one day as Mordecai was on duty at the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, uh, <laughs> big fan of, <laughs> hey, biggie, <laughs> and Teresh, who were guards at the door of the king's private quarters, became angry at King Xerxes and plotted to assassinate him. But Mordecai heard about the plot and gave the information to Queen Esther. And she then told the king about it, gave Mordecai credit for the report. Shows her character. She could have took the, she could have took it. But he says, no, 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 Mordecai is the one that found this out. And when an investigation was made uh, and Mordecai's story was found to be true, the two men were impaled on a sharpened pole. And this is all recorded in the book of the history of King Xerxes' reign. Uh, chapter 3 in Esther, uh, verse 13. Dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the province of the empire, giving the order that all the Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. Huh. This is scheduled to happen on March 7th of the next year. The property of the Jews would be uh, given to those who killed them. Huh. Esther chapter 4, verse 4. When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed, and she sent clothing to him to replace the burlap, but he refused it. Then Esther sent for Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs, who had been appointed as her attendant. She ordered him to go to Mordecai and find out what was troubling him and why he was in mourning. Verse 6, so Hathach went, to, went out to Mordecai in the square in the front of the palace gate. Mordecai told him the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman promised to pay the royal treasury for the destruction of the, of the Jews. Verse 8, Mordecai gave Hathach a copy of the decree issued in Susa and that called for the death of all the Jews. And he asked Hathach to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. Verse 9, so Hathach returned to Esther and Mordecai's message. Uh, and Esther told Hathach to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who, appear, who appears before the king in his inner court Without being invited, is doomed to die unless the whole king holds out the gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to meet him for 30 days. So uh, he gave uh, Esther's message to Mordecai. But listen, to the, I love the, his, report, his reply. In verse 13, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't you think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed? If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will rise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. And who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. You were made female for such a time as this. Queens, just say it. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather all the Jews to Susa and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids will, and I will do the same. And then, uh, though it's against the law, I will go and see the king. If I must die, I must die. 
So Mordecai went away and did everything that as Esther ordered him. Pretty wild, isn't it? Esther 5, uh, verse 1, on the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered into the inner court of the palace just across from the king's hall. Imagine what she must have been going through. If he didn't accept her, she's dead. She's done. But she had faith. All right. The king was sitting on the royal throne facing the entrance. When he saw the queen Esther standing there in the inner court, he welcomed her and held out the gold scepter to her. That must have been quite the relief. Come on. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. And the king asked, what do you want, Queen Esther? What is your request? I will give it to you, even if it's half of the kingdom. You want to talk about favor? <sighs> I love this part. Esther uh, chapter 6, verse 1. We're just, uh, just skipping through, but it is such a great story. That night, uh, the king had trouble sleeping, so he ordered the attendant to bring the book of the history of his reign so it could re be read to him. Because remember when we first started about Mordecai saving the king from being, from being assassinated. In those records, he discovered an account of how Mordecai exposed a plot of Big Fana and Teresh, two of the eunuchs who guarded the door of the king's private quarters. They applauded to assassinate King Xerxes. And what reward or recognition did we ever give Mordecai for this? The king asked, and his attendants replied, nothing's been done for him. Sometimes you think that you're not going to be rewarded. Sometimes you think nobody knows. Sometimes you think, why should I even? God never forgets. Never. It says, what reward or recognition do we ever give Mordecai for this? The king asked, and the intendants replied, nothing has been done for him. Well, who was in the outer court? The king inquired. As it happened, Haman, uh, just arrived at the outer court of the palace, who asked the king to impale Mordecai on the pole, he prepared. See? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So people are trying to do you dirty. Just go about your business. God's got this. God's got this. All right, verse 5. So the attendants replied to the king, Haman is in the outer court. Bring him in, the king ordered. And so Haman came in, and the king said, what should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? He set him up. What should I do to honor a man who truly pleases me? <laughs> I love this. Haman thought to himself, well, whom would the king wish to honor more than me? A little bit full of himself. So he replied, well, if the king wishes to honor someone, he should bring out one of the king's own royal robes, as well as a horse that the king himself has written, one with a royal emblem on its head. Let the robes of the horse be handed over uh, to one of the king's most noble officials and let him see that the man whom the king wishes to honor is dressed in the king's robes and lead them through the city square on the king's horse. Have the officials shout as they go, this is what the king does for someone he wishes to honor. <laughs> Set himself up. Verse 10, excellent, the king said to Haman. Quick, take the robes of my horse and do just as you said to, for Mordecai the Jew. You know he just must have lost his stuff. <laughs> stuff, I said. Quick, take the robes of my horse and do just as you said to Mordecai the Jew who sits at the gate of the palace. Leave out nothing that you've suggested. Nothing. <laughs> ah, I love it. And he did. 
and so the last part, uh, verse 11. So Haman took the robes and put them on Mordecai, placed him on his own king's horse, led him through the city square shouting, this is what the king does for someone who he wishes to honor. And afterward, Mordecai returned to the palace gate, but Haman hurried home, dejected and completely humiliated. Dejected. End of the story. He got impaled on the pole that he had set up for Mordecai. So, God's got you. God's got you. The widow woman. Uh, uh, sounds like Elmer Fudd. The widow woman. Because she was widow. <laughs> and went wound and wound and wound. I'm hunting rabbits. <laughs> First Kings, please. 17. Come on, who hasn't watched Bugs Bunny? We grew up on that stuff. It was so funny, because like you, and you know all the words, right? So when the kids were smaller, you know, I'd, <laughs> I, I'd say before they, I'd say the words before they, you know, before Bugs or Daffy or any of them said it, right? Oh, we're the boys of the forest. We hope you like our show. We know you're rooting for us, but now it's time to go. It's a wearing of the grin. Oh, we're the boys of the forest. We hope you like, you have never saw that one? Okay. Anyways, it was good. Praise the Lord. So we're the widow woman, 1 Kings 17, verse 7, King James. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, and because there had been no rain in the land, and the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman. It's see? It's sown in there. Every time you hear widow woman... <laughs> Eve commanded a widow woman to, there to sustain you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and he went to, to the, uh, came to the gate of the city. Behold, she was there, <laughs> gathering sticks, and he called to her. And he said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. You ever notice it's the women that do all the work? Just saying. And what do you do? Fetch me. Give me. Serve me. While you're at it, make me a sandwich. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <It's laughs> uh-huh. See, this is why this room is so nice, because it's very... Um, <laughs> I can hear you thinking. <laughs> and I can hear y'all talking to one another, so I'm sitting up there... <laughs> Did he actually say that? Yes, he did. Okay, so he says, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, bring, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Also, while you're doing nothing. Right? And, and verse 12, and she said, as the Lord thy God lives, I do not have a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, fear not. He didn't even hear the and die part. He just said, fear not and go and do as, as you have said. What? Go eat it and die? No, go get the stuff. But make thereof me a little cake first. Could you imagine if that was today? The tabloids would be going crazy. Here are these poor people out on the street. You know what that church said? The pastor of that church, go make me a cake first. Bring me a pizza. 
Then you're going to make your sticks and die. Come on. That'd be all over the internet. That'd be so viral. Uh, uh, uh. So, but he said, fear not and go do as you've said, but make me thereof a little cake first. Bring it to me. Serve me. And after, make for you and your son. For thus said the Lord God of Israel. So that's, that's what saved his bacon. Because if he wouldn't have put a thus saith the Lord, she would have thus said a thus saith the slap. Right? <laughs> the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to as the, the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. They, some say it was two years. Two years. I think it's cool. In Hebrews 11, 33 to 35, New Living, it says, the, By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. These women did this. Ruled with justice, received what God promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength and became strong in battle and put whole armies to fight, to flight. That's some serious womenage, right? Honorable mentions. I had to put some honorable mentions because there's, there's way too many. Sarah, the wife of Abraham, the mother of Isaac. Sarah, one of the greatest matriarchs of the Bible. Yet she, did, uh, she didn't become a mother until very late. Hannah, the mother of Samuel. Despite the years of patience and prayer, she remained unable to have a child. Hannah's character truly shone through when in gratitude to God, she dedicated her new born son to his service. Come on now. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, God answered her prayers late in life. And of course, Mary, the mother of Jesus. Right? But those stories, we all know those stories, but some of the ones that we just went through, these are the backstories of some people that we just, you know what? It's pretty cool. Um, in 2 Timothy, because, uh, you know, that's good to read some stuff in the Old Testament, but what about in the New? Well, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, New Living. And it says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. That's why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Timothy was, was basically raised by his mother and his grandmother. Right? And they taught him faith. They taught him the word. And I remember my grandmother um, on my dad's side, because uh, my, my grandfather was a pastor, and he's the one that, like, they, they took me to church all the time, and I wanted to go. And to the point where at this church, <laughs> I, was getting, I was getting saved every week. Every time they give an altar call, I didn't want to miss God. Right? So I was getting sick because, you know, <laughs> well, you know, Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. You don't know when your time is. And we don't. But as a young kid, <laughs> I am not going to hell. <laughs> yeah, I tried to send myself there quite often after I got into bands, but that was different. But 
my grandmother would, would pray and pray and pray. And her and the ladies of this church, um, they go down in the basement and the piano would be there and they'd be all around the piano and they're singing. They're, then they're, they're just praying away and praying in the Holy Ghost. You, and you, you stand on the stairs and you're like, ooh, I better sit down, right? But uh, come on. And so I could see where Timothy got what he got. Yeah. Right. And, you know, even in some of these churches that I go to in Ontario, they still have mothers of the church. Right. And the mothers of the church would make sure that the ladies of the church, the young ladies of the church, the teenage ladies of the church would grow up to be Proverbs 31 women. My aunt, I call I say aunt. I know up here you all go aunt, aunt. Like, aunt, 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 aunt. No, aunt. Anyways, my aunt, she's a mother of the church. And I watched her one day. Somebody came in and their short, their, their, their clothing was not, not appropriate. Thank you, John. See, this is what I mean. Like, see, it's nice and intimate here. And so if I'm, lo- I'm lost for a word, I just l- wait and listen. And I can hear it. Right? But it wasn't appropriate. The mother of church looked at her and just went, she got up and got, went home, got changed, came back. I guess she did. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, you don't mess with those mothers of her, especially the, the ones with the, the mothers of the church with a big hat. No, 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 no. You don't mess with that. <laughs> Anyways, but the fact that the, 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 the young lady went home and did that out of respect and, you know, because now that, that same person is in the church today, serving in the church today. And, and so she's, you know, she's helping young people her, that were her age at that time, right? So it's pretty cool. Um, 2 Timothy 1.5 in the King James, when it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in you, unfeigned, which means genuine, sincere, without hypocrisy. Which, well, first in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded that it's in you also. Wherefore, I put you into remembrance that you, you stir up the gift of God. So sometimes we got to stir ourselves up, right? Especially when things are getting, and, and it says here that Timothy was very, he's one of those guys that he was easily discouraged. And so um, Paul had to come and tell him, hey, listen, stir yourself up. Remember, remember who brought you up. Remember the gift. Remember the seed that's on the inside of you. Remember who you are. Remember all the years of praying that you've done. Remember all the hours of Bible study that you went to. Remember all the hours of church you went to. Remember all of the good things that you've done. Stir yourself up. Bring it back to your remembrance because sometimes when you get discouraged, um, (laughs) your remembrance stops right there. And all of this stuff, all this good stuff is hitting, sitting there waiting for you, but you got to break down that dam right. and bring it back to your remembrance, right? It says, you gotta, but you, you got to stir yourself up. Thank God we have a bunch of people that are not, a, uh, <laughs> that like stirring us up. When you start feeling bad, they, they know. That's like those four crazy friends, yeah, right. right? You got to have them around you. And you think about that guy. He was paralyzed. Sometimes we get so discouraged. We're paralyzed. You can't even move. Can't move. So you need these four crazy people that are willing to pull you up the side of the building like this one. Probably had a couple stories. 
Make sure you don't slip. <laughs> you better have a good grip on that <laughs> on the rope. But they pulled him up the side of the building, busted a busted a hole in the ceiling, and laid him and lowered him right into the feet of Jesus. Now, if you've got if you've got friends that are willing to do that for you, you will never, Amen. never fail. Because they won't let you. You'll come on. You you got friends like that? They'll put you on a short leash, and when they see you start to veer off, they'll jerk you. Mm. Come on now. I got some friends that are jerky, jerky, not jerk. That will jerk me back, and yeah, because uh, you know sometimes you get a little bit discouraged, and you need those people around you to say, "Hey." Second <laughs> Timothy three. Verse 15 to the 17, New Living. It says, you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, just like we were talking about. And they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, and it corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17, God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That's what we do. We do every good work. It's, it's a really cool thing. Praise the Lord. I like this. Um, can you handle like two more verses? Okay. 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 to 7 in the message, it says, The special gift of ministry you received when I laid my hands on you and prayed, keep that ablaze. Keep yourself fired up. Amen. God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, but gold and love, uh, gold, yeah, right on, gold too, golden, but bold and loving and sensible. New Century Version says, this is why I remind you to keep using the gift God gave you. Keep using it. If you don't use it, I don't know if you lose it, but it just don't get used. It just sits there. It just sits there. And then, you know, you, so you, then you're just getting kind of greedy because you're keeping your gift to yourself. But your greedy self. No, it's, it's supposed to share that. You share your gift, right? It says, this is why I remind you to keep using the gift God gave you when I lay my hands on you. Now let it grow as a small flame grows into a fire. God did not give us a spirit that makes us afraid, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. I like this one. Living Bible. This being so, I want to remind you to stir into flame the strength and the boldness that's in you, that entered into you when I laid my hands upon you, on your head and blessed you. For the Holy Spirit, God's gift, does not want you to be afraid of people. Say it again. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, God's gift, does not want you to be afraid of people, but to be wise and strong and to love them and enjoy being with them. That means you don't hide yourself in a little hole. We're supposed to be out there. Those people are the only Jesus that they're ever going to see. So don't sit up there, well, I'm just going to share my faith in church. <laughs> well, hardy har har. <laughs> we all do that. Romans 6, or Romans, yeah. Number 6, 24 to 26, amplified. Now the Lord bless you. This is the Amplified. Watch, guard, and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, to enlighten you, to be gracious, kind, and merciful, and giving favor to you. Let the Lord lift 
up his approving countenance upon you and give you peace, tranquility of heart and life continually. Praise the Lord. Continually. What God started, he wants to continue. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.